episode 22 of the New Balances podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by a longtime friend, somebody I've known probably for the better part of 15 years uh, at this point uh, of our lives because we're old as fuck. Um, <laughs> and I'm just learning he has new talents that I knew nothing about. So when I met you, you were doing an office job with your dad, I think yep. selling stuff. <laughs> yeah not exactly Financial, sure what you were doing yeah finance leasing finance leasing and then yeah. you left that job and went to teaching exactly and now yeah. you're teaching carpentry and agriculture how did that happen the city kids oh man is your podcast long enough uh i don't have a time limit and we have an explicit content because I'm sure we'll say things that. Uh, some well, that's good to know. I was, by. I was wondering about that. Um, so yeah, as you know, when we met, I mean, I was in college. Uh, I mean, gosh, it was so long ago. Uh, but I was, I was in college. I was going to college for business. Um, being in New Orleans, and with the restaurants as great as they are, as you know. Um, you know, I got into the restaurant business. Uh, I wasn't liking how that was, you know, turning me out to be basically, I didn't like the hours, uh, didn't like how I couldn't have a, a good life outside of that. Uh, I quit that job, uh, went to Europe for a few months, started working for my dad, chained to a desk, working out of my house, which was great obviously, but there was no real reward there. Back before it was cool to work from home, you were working. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a trendsetter. I'm going tell you. Um, but as all of you out there probably starting to realize your pets don't make great conversationalists, you know, you need a life outside of there, uh, not just chasing a dollar, something rewarding, um, and me always liking working with my hands and kids, uh, and coming from a long line of teachers, I was like, well, let's go ahead and give this teaching thing a shot. So long story short, um, I am now teaching high school kids carpentry, uh, which has been a long time hobby of mine. Um, actually under a principal who was one of my teachers at Shaw, uh, the high school where we met. So full circle there. What's that uh, teacher now, principal's name? Uh, Bill Gallagher. Okay. I'm not sure. Pleasure of meeting or knowing Mr. Gallagher, uh, but no, he was before your time at one point. I'm sure he's good yep. people. Yeah. As yep. most Real people good guy. at Shaw are. Exactly. Most, most people. people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's a real good guy. In fact, uh, I think one of the reasons he brought me on there at North Shore High uh, was because I came from that background and he loved the traditions um, he loved how rooted the school was in traditions um, and being at 
a relatively new public high school, relatively new meaning, you know, almost 30 years uh, old. So relatively new in terms of public schools. That's new. Um, sure. South or the North. You usually yeah. don't get these high schools to pop up. Usually they're closing and becoming middle right. schools or middle schools being promoted to high schools or what have you. Yes. Where we are, the the population has been booming for the past few decades, um, you know, generations, all the, that sort all of thing. The snowbirds so. are moving out. <laughs> that and uh, all the West Bankers, like myself, are moving north. Uh, we call it north, north of the lake, uh, north of Lake Pontchartrain, and uh, and yeah. So the school My- is relatively new. He uh, he wanted everything. Uh, he wanted to have a more rooted uh, school in tradition. Um, and get back to normal he uh he pointed out which is the same for any school out there our seniors this year in high school our seniors are the only class that have gone through a normal year of high school our seniors which would have been um, freshman year they would have been freshmen okay that was a full uninterrupted school year their sophomore year, um, March 13th, right? The COVID bomb dropped. School was canceled pretty much everywhere. Um, that was their sophomore year. The following year, we went back late, uh, you know, coming in and out, you know, team A, team B, cohort A, all that stuff, right? Um, that was not a normal year. That was their junior year. Now their senior year, we're finally back to normal. All of the classes underneath them have no idea what it means to be in a normal high school now. And so, you know, uh, he's a real good guy and has this great vision of, you know, we need these traditions. We need to be grounded and rooted. Um, And now also that we're hitting the 30 year mark, we're having children, former students' children come to school here now. So uh, you know, growing that alumni association like Shaw had, uh, getting those traditions. Uh, one of his big ones is uh, he always remembers um, Shaw singing, Shaw students singing their alma mater. Near the banks uh, of Old Man River. Exactly. Um, and what's funny is their uh, alma mater and ours are set to the same tune. Oh, that's easy to uh, do. I think it's like Cornell's uh i don't know i think it's cornell's alma mater we should consult That's... andy from the office and ask him exactly <laughs> do, 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 do. uh but... well, i think i think tradition is uh, a good thing to have not only um to have something that you i can identify with but something you can fall back on and have that nostalgia for but it's also something that societies can latch to and mm-hmm. uh, rally around in difficult times because yes. we're going through difficult times. And, yeah. you know, you being a native uh, New Orleanian and myself being uh, an adopted son of Herrera, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, people down there know how to weather a storm, no pun intended. And this is just a, a prolonged storm that everyone is going through collectively, 
not just as a nation, but as uh, a world and try right. to figure out how to do it and how do you maintain those relationships with people um, that you, you know, know and love who don't live across the street from you and you don't see day to day and you can't visit because of, you know, pandemic and whatnot. Right. The tradition you fall back on is, hey, I know that I like you. I know that I love you. I know that we're friends. Let's stay in touch. Or what's the stuff that binds us together? Those sorts of things keep relationships um, going on, even though you don't talk to somebody for five, 10 or three years, whatever it might be. Yeah. And like you said, it's, uh, it's, they're all traditions, you know, even between friends, you know, a, a tradition of, of love, of an open, warm greeting. When the pandemic hit, you know, everyone uh, went home, you know, turned to their home, you know, apartment, condo, whatever you have, uh, but they went home. They went to their home group, right? And uh, they went to that safe space of traditions and of comfort um, to protect themselves. And even in a high school, that is a place that is filled with, tradi- with tradition. It's a place of unity, of common ground, where people can meet, hopefully. And, uh, and as if we have any public school teachers or teachers in general out there, we know that sometimes our school is the only uh, home that these kids have or friendly faces that they see. Sometimes us, us teachers, whether it be in first hour or seventh hour, might be the first person to talk to a child that day. Uh, or tell them good morning. Well, traditions. Even up there on the North Shore, not that different than the West Bank. Kids yep. are kids wherever they happen to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and need the same support. Yeah, doesn't matter where you are or where you're from, you still need to be loved, to be shown love, and uh, to love. You know, it's... I feel like the pandemic has made it an emphasis that people need to have that intrapersonal uh, connections and interactions, but also, you know, now you've got a couple years worth of kids who don't have that socialization uh, that they need in order to, you know, function uh, in the world and, uh, you know, that it said, uh, you know, when I say it said, I mean, I've heard people say that they just don't know how to act right. Well, now there's going to be a bunch of kids who don't know how to act right. And, you know, it's nobody's fault, but the pandemics. Yeah. And it's up to us as a society, the family society being the first society, and then the larger Mm -hmm. society um, outside of our house to say, right here's how you interact and you have your crawfish boils and your family gatherings and um just continue to build it out and see the interactions grow exactly yes in this uh you know ever growing uh just climate and world of screens uh getting from behind the screen listening to people that's the hardest thing having uh having these kids listen um, and be able to speak to one another is a huge is a huge feat. Actually, 
that actually listen to someone else that they uh, don't, they might not see as having value, but listening to them, uh, even for a moment. Uh, as I mean, we all know, this world is, uh, you know, constantly, uh, you know, turning out people with harder and harder stances on opinions. Uh, Harden, getting them to actually listen. Yes. <sighs> the job of a, of a teacher is, uh, and anyone, a parent, as we both know, just of friends of people in society. Uh, you know, our job descriptions are ever growing. Ever growing, but primarily focused um, the vocation that we both find ourselves under uh, husbands and fathers. You know, mm -hmm. you takes on a much uh, heavier meaning in today's society, you know, because not only are you a father to your beautiful daughter. Um, but you're also quasi-father to these kids that you're teaching agriculture and carpentry to because you might be the only positive uh, male role model that they have. And, you know, knowing you, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, knowing, uh, knowing myself, I feel bad because I know that I'm coming up short oh, in a lot I mean, of places. <laughs> but it's not coming up short. It's something that you know, you have taken all of your life's, life's experience, taken it into the who you are of today, and now you're helping to broadcast that to kids and have an impact on their lives. That's a positive thing, whether it be short, long, fat, or skinny. It's an influence. Right. When and I think showing up is half the battle. It's 90% of the battle. Right. You know? But I digress. So one of the, I've got like four or five different bullet points that I wanted to touch on, but we can go off and talk about anything. Oh, I'm, and, I'm sure there'll be many tangents. <laughs> and thankfully you're an hour behind me and you have to go to work tomorrow. I do not, so. Oh, aren't you lucky? Tomorrow's my day off. I just got back uh, from what we're gonna call paternity leave. Uh, in actuality was taking my 11 days a vacation that I had banked. Uh, oh, nice. Because there's no such thing as paid uh, paternity leave where I work. Um, mm. I, I could have taken up to 12 weeks unpaid, but paid does not exist. Uh, yeah. So the origin story of Eric and Adam uh, goes back to, I think, 2008. It was 2008, 2009, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, and I went down with uh, the Salesians, which I used to be a member of uh, and still hold near and dear to my heart. Um, but I went down to help rebuild after Katrina with, um, with a group of kids. They asked me to help chaperone, which probably yeah. I didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> to the best of my ability um, because we did get day drunk on Bourbon Street uh, and that was a grand old yes, time. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. On a retreat. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, the first ever photo 
of UNI is outside of Pat O'Brien's. Pat O'Brien's. On Bourbon Street. Drinking hurricanes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was such a good time. I, I don't think I've been back there too many times to Pat O'Brien's. I, I was like, okay, you've gone, you've experienced the tourist trap. Now let's show you the real places. Yes, yes, exactly. Do you remember one of the first things I ever said to you? Uh, it was something about, do I make you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> and then yes. I said, no, you don't make me feel uncomfortable. And you said that at a distance of about three feet. And then you got to within a quarter of an inch of my face. And you said, how about now? And I was like, <laughs> eh, it's a little uncomfortable, but I think we're going to be friends. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then our friendship has blossomed since then because I had the great fortune of being assigned uh, when I was with the Salesians to being down there. And uh, I watched you blossom into a phenomenal human being. Um, you know, you've always been a strong man of faith, but uh, I knew that from when you decided that you were gonna go and walk in a different country uh, on a, a certain thing. Uh, you wanna tell the good listeners of this podcast what you did and why you did it? Yeah, sure. So. Well, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I was working in the restaurant industry and due to the nature of that industry, you know, late nights, uh, early mornings and uh, full of adrenaline, alcohol, drugs, uh, you know, closing a restaurant at, you know, the restaurant closes at 11, 1130. You don't get out of there until one. You're not about to go to bed, right? Uh, so we always went across the street. Uh, right, you know, kind of corner from our restaurant was a great bar. Uh, and we were starving. Uh, and we were hungry. Working in a kitchen, of course, you don't eat uh, hardly anything because you're constantly going. Well, uh, our nourishment uh, consisted of what me and my friends called a bear fight, which was uh, an Irish car bomb, a Jaeger bomb, a flaming Dr. Pepper, uh, and then we would uh, we would chug a you know just pound a, a pint of whatever, uh, and whoever could finish first didn't have to pay. But that was our first drink of the night. Uh, so those first drink was about six, six. Drinks. Exactly. That, that's how our night on an, began on an empty stomach, on an empty stomach. Um, you know, and, uh, plus everything else that went along with that. So, uh, <laughs> there were, there were numerous nights where, uh, you know, you know, my dad, Jay, uh, I, I, I called him Another and said, great man. <laughs> another great drinker uh you know what i need you to come get me <laughs> it's five o'clock in the morning but you're about to get up anyway <laughs> so come get me uh but i just did not like the way uh 
the way I was turning out, I knew I wanted to have um, a family of my own one day. And I just could not foresee myself uh, being able to have that life while having this one as well. Um, and I could also see myself not being able to give up uh, this restaurant, you know, wild type of, you know, drinking, uh, you know, three sheets to the wind, not a care in the world, uh, in my mind, type of lifestyle. Um, I wanted to settle down. So, uh, and, and keep in mind, I mean, this is, this is what a 20 four year old i'm not sure it was 2012 2013 maybe uh when this all happened and uh so i was like you know what i'm just gonna quit my job i'm gonna go to europe i've always talked about it always loved it um i had seen a movie called the way uh which has inspired many people to go and walk uh the camino de santiago which is a 500 mile walk uh from the east border of Spain to the west. Um, I walked from Pamplona uh, to Santiago de Compostela. Um, I cut a little bit of it out, so it wasn't quite 500 miles. Um, it took me out one month and a day, June, uh, June 12th through July 13th, I wanna say. Um, but you chose the hottest time of the year to go and do this. Exactly. But, oh, it was beautiful. I mean, it's the north of Spain. So anything is cooler than the West Bank. Yeah. Uh, and less humid as well. So it was a, it was a plus. Air conditioning. Exactly. It was basically air conditioning, uh, even though I didn't taste air conditioning that whole month. But uh, so I did that. I went, uh, I went all over. I, uh, I stayed there for two months. Uh, went to Rome. Uh, went to Turin. Uh, to see St. John Bosco's works, um, you know, went to Paris, went to London, Ireland, uh, toward the Guinness and Jameson distilleries, of course, uh, as any, anyone should, highly recommended. Um, I've been to the Jameson one I, as a non-beer drinker. I probably won't go to Guinness just because it would be wasted on me, uh, oh. but... I will go to any distillery anywhere in the world with you. <laughs> there you go. It's a date. Um, but while on the Camino, uh, just walking 12 miles a day by yourself, most of the time, you think of things that you never thought to think of. You know, your, your mind just wanders uh, and you're, you ask yourselves these questions. Um, you know, you think about past, present, and future and and what you want those things to look like. And you realize that, um, you know, we're all walking a path. Uh, we're all just living today. Uh, you know, tomorrow is what you make it. You can make it whatever you want it to be. Um, and I realized, you know, uh, my dad has this business. He's, he's trying to grow it. I went to school for business. I could help him. Um, you know, I can figure out what I want to do with my life. Had I not done that, you know, had, had I not gone to the community, I wouldn't have started to work for my dad. Uh, had I not started to work with my dad, I, I wouldn't have realized that I wanted 
something more out of my life. I, I would have gotten caught up chasing the almighty dollar and I wouldn't have slowed down to realize what I really wanted. Um, so it's, uh, you know, everyone's walking a path, uh, yeah. And you're, you're you never know where it's going to lead. Path with that, uh, the way of St. James, you're walking that path and you usually have something on the mind that you're praying for. It's like a long ass novena, you know, trying exactly. to figure, figure stuff out, work it out. And with that intention in mind of, you know, as you said, to try to settle down, trying to figure out what you want. Yes. One of the things that I really found, um, and one of the first things that I, I wrote in my, uh, my journal, I kept a journal while I was on uh, the walk, and uh, it was that you see, you see a reflection of yourself and every person you meet. Uh, you see, um, you know, you see what could be. And it's like God speaking through them to you. Because as you talk to these people, you're talking at a, at a much deeper level because neither of you are doing anything is that walking together, you know, and, and you're joined together at that moment with nothing else around you. And you're just walking, taking in this beautiful scenery. Um, and taking in the conversation, again, conversations where you never even, you know, you're taking conversations to places you never even thought of taking them to because there's nothing else to do. Um, but you're exploring each other's stories and you're thinking to yourself, wow, that's really cool. Or, eh, that's a little fucked up. Maybe I won't do that, you know? Uh, but, you know, you're enjoying the other person's company and you're learning more about yourself um, as you're putting yourself into their shoes. And, you know, what would I have done in that situation? You're thinking about that. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that I would just highly recommend to any person listening to this, uh, just go and do it. You know, if you don't just do it, you're not going to make time for it. Um, even if you don't walk, you don't have to walk the whole thing uh, or shoot, just go, uh, go hike a portion of the Appalachian Trail. You know, it doesn't have to be Spain, um, but get out into, into nature and lose yourself for a few days, you know, uh, walk and don't think. And uh, world. As you're not thinking, you'll think of so many different things. Um, one of the, uh, something that, that happened, and I, I truly believe this was, you know, God's hand. I would, uh, I had an iPod on me and I had a little, um, a little solar powered speaker, basically. And I would just, play music the whole time, just out loud, play music uh, and sing as I was walking. And the iPod died, just stopped working like halfway through the Camino. 
But after it did, that's when I started having all these, you know, revelations. And I started thinking and, uh, you know, trying to figure things out and coming up with more questions to ask myself. Uh, had it not been for that iPod dying, you know, I, I wouldn't have had the great experience that I had. I had to totally disconnect. Um, I had to unclog my mind. Um, and that's one thing I think uh, in today's society, we're constantly bombarded by external stimulus that uh, we have a, such a hard time slowing down and talking to ourselves and figuring out what we truly want and need. Um, and at the very least, slowing down enough to pray deeply and meaningfully. Um, because after I finished the Camino, the iPod started working again. That's freaky. Right? <laughs> we say freaky. In reality, it's probably providential. Uh, 100%. 100%. I still have the iPod and it still works. That's great because usually Apple technology will just decide to shit the bed and not work ever. <laughs> exactly. So from that uh, point of, I'm going to say, progression, where you know you disconnect from the world, you stop singing uh, in the north of Spain, and you start listening to the things going on between your ears. Mm-hmm. How's that conversation look, and what was it that you were searching for? What did you find? Well... I didn't know what I was looking for. Um, I had I had the intuition before I left that, you know, yes, I, I do want to slow down. Um, I don't want to become this, you know, alcoholic, you know, uh, restaurant person. I mean, I could, I could have totally seen myself doing that um you know becoming the the cool single uncle that never settled down you know that just works in a restaurant his whole life um has a has a bunch of friends but doesn't have a lot of close friends um you know that that lifestyle is very attractive to a lot of people and it was to me at that moment uh, but I just, I felt that I was being called to do more. Uh, so uh, once I did slow down and, uh, you know, talking to myself and praying, uh, what, I, what I found ultimately were more questions. You know, a, God doesn't always send you answers. He just sends you more questions. More questions, something to think on, you know, that, yes. that he burdened us with called free will really comes into to play because he lets you think about it. And once you start wrestling with the questions and you start doing that self-reflection and introspection and, you know, examining your conscience and what have you, 
things can exactly. be real clear once you don't have the outside stimuli, you know, pressing on you and trying to get the dopamine hits off of whatever it is that you, you know, look forward in, whether it be uh, the end of a blunt or the bottom of a barrel or a bottle, you know, it's, yeah, things are made clear to you. Yes. Um, they're, they're made clear certainly, but, uh, but again, yeah, the, the questions do arise, you know, the, uh, the illumination that you, that you, that you get is, oh, well, I, I want to be this type of person. Uh, you know, I, I do want to quit my job. I don't want to go back to that lifestyle when I get home. Um, you know, I do want to start living this, this type of way. But how do I do that? <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's kind of a, there's a Yodaism, you know. Do, <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. There is no try. Yeah. Something like that. I apologize to the Star Wars fans out there. I'm not a Star Wars or Star Trek expert. You know, I just pick and choose the little pieces of your, um, what do I call it? Your vernacular? vernacular dogma dogma like whatever they're canon whatever canon, canon is. Yes. and you know i i pick pieces from it and try to use it in a useful uh catechetical sort of model kind of like uh <laughs> uncle ben and spider-man before he gets whacked you know the to whom much is given much is expected comes from the gospel of luke yeah. You know, so are talents and you can relate it all back to a teaching point to some sort of uh, biblical theology or catechetical lesson. But at the end of the day, we have to realize, and this is going to come from Rudy, there's two certainties in the world. There is a God and I'm not him. <laughs> Once you get that down, everything else is kind of easy, but at the same time, very difficult. Uh, you know, the difficulty of the path that I had to walk, I didn't go uh, to Spain to do it, but I walked for 10 years uh, with the Salesians. And then in the back of my head, I was thinking the entire time, I really want to be married and have my own family. But I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't leave until they told me, hey, this isn't for you, you need to go. And I just kept applying to renew my vows, renew my vows. And they kept saying yes. And then I was like, mm, right. This is not where I'm supposed to be. And I think towards the end, they knew it and I knew it. Parted mutually. You know, still have yeah. my St. John Bosco medal hanging up over here uh, above my computer screen. And I look at it and I have his motto tattooed on my legs because the mission I feel like is still important you know give me souls and take away the rest but the vocation aspect of things changed drastically once I you know did away with the noise and listened to my heart what was my heart right. telling me to do and it's telling me to leave because that's not where I was supposed to be 
And in leaving yep. that behind, I found the best thing that ever happened to me. I think similar to you. Right. Right. That's what, what I want to go down a little bit. So you're married yeah. to a beautiful soul and a beautiful person uh, named Lauren. And how did you two yeah. meet? So we actually met online. Um, it was through uh, through Match.com, you know. Match.com, it works. I know, right? <laughs> I've heard. I, I always kept waiting for my commercial, but. <laughs> well, I, uh, I guess just like with anything, right? There are good stories and horror stories. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, it worked out. Uh, one of our first dates uh, was actually to, uh, as you recall, uh, Christ in the City which is a, uh, um, a Eucharistic adoration that's put on by the Archdiocese of New Orleans Office of Young Adult Mystery, uh, Ministries. And um, just in conversation with her, I knew that uh, she had sung in a choir while she was, uh, when she was younger. Um, and we both had that, uh, we both just liked to sing and whatnot. And, uh, so I was like, do you want to go to Eucharistic Adoration? You know, I, uh, I, I sing in their choir and, you know, she was, she was all about it. So, uh, you know, while there, I, uh, I, I, you know, just prayed, you know, hey, God, if, uh, this, this might be the one, I think, you know, it's, this is going pretty good so far. Uh, so you just uh, you just kind of point me, you know, and uh, you know, sure enough, worked out. Uh, I mean, you were there in our early days, and uh, yeah, yeah, it it worked out. We uh, that was we met in. Ugh, I know Lauren's gonna listen to this later, and she's gonna correct me, uh, but I, I want to say we met in. It was, it was almost a year. Uh, it was just over a year after I got back from the Camino. Yeah, I want um, to say it was around 2014. Yeah, so I, I want to say it was, it was 2014. Um, kind of like right before, uh, right before the end of 2014. And uh, yeah, we've been a hit ever since. And, uh, and thank, thank God for her, because it's amazing how uh, if I hadn't met her um, or if we had both said, eh, you know, I'm not feeling it and just walked away or something. You know, I always think about this. Where, where the hell would I be uh, if it wasn't for her? Because I tell you, I... I wouldn't have the life I have now. I wouldn't have my beautiful daughter. Um, I wouldn't be uh, in this position that I am now with my job, uh, you know, enjoying going to work every day uh, in this fulfilling field of teaching uh, 
because ultimately it was it was her that uh, you know pushed and supported me uh, and urged me to go after this dream uh, and to better me and uh, it's ultimately be a physical manifestation of God's love, unconditional love for me. Because I mean, God, if uh, if she didn't have unconditional love for me, this shit would have been gone, <laughs> done. Shit wouldn't have existed. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am nowhere near perfect and uh and it's funny i'm sure you could say the same thing when you get married and then ultimately have a child isn't it funny how you start turning the mirror on yourself and realizing all the faults that you have like son of a bitch (laughs) yeah i mean i thought i was a nice guy i'm a fucking asshole (laughs) (laughs) I now have a newfound realizations that there is a person in this world that I would kill for if mm-hmm. anything ever endangered it. And I feel like, you know, that goes for any father. And I've only been a dad now for three weeks because uh, the baby's only three weeks old tomorrow. And she just lights up my world. I hate that I had to go back to work because I meant that I wasn't, you know, there in the middle of the day getting baby cuddles while she napped after waking up, feeding, and then falling back to sleep. It's like, you know, it was nice to hold her for those uh, moments in the middle of the day. And now I got to settle for a FaceTime call, you know, yeah. five, 10 minutes and go back to work. And then drive an hour back home and come home and just have her sleep on my chest for another, you know, couple hours before she goes to bed and we wake up at four in the morning to feed her again. And, you know, it's, you learn to live with the sleep deprivation and, you know, you're happy for it. In the past, I would have been a miserable prick. Exactly. Now, not so much. Yeah. It, uh, it it changes your outlook, doesn't it? It because it gives you a purpose. It, give, it gives you a purpose. It gives you a, a reason uh, well, that's for being the whole stressed. Vocation aspect of it, right? This yeah. is what you're meant to do. Is what you're you're called to do. You're called to be husband and father. And how do you do that? By doing what God did. By doing what Christ did. By loving unconditionally and unreservedly. Yeah. Regardless of the circumstance. Do you want to wake up at four in the morning to change a diaper and to feed a baby? No, that doesn't sound fun. It's going to be an inconvenience. (laughs) But I love her, so I'm going to do it. Or, you know, does your wife want something? Uh, You know, she holding the baby and said, hey, can you get me water? Can you get me a snack? Can you do this? Can you do that? Yeah, 100%. You're mothering our child and i will do whatever you want right now you know it's just i get <laughs> I, i'll look at her sometimes uh, my wife holding our daughter 
and just well up with tears and she's like what's going on you all right it's like yeah i'm just enjoying the view you know you're you're beautiful mm-hmm. but like even more so right now you're like this is the most beautiful i've ever seen you it's like i haven't showered and i'm gross and i'm wearing whatever i'm like yeah but you're glowing there's there's a yeah. glow about you and it's you know it's beautiful yeah i feel like that's the vocation element of um you know the sacrament come into life you know of marriage and then of you know living that that family life it's just phenomenal yeah it's uh it's something to behold it's like a uh it's uh it's almost like a perpetual adoration uh, mm-hmm. watching uh a mother and child i uh i always think of exactly like that that picture uh you know it's like a madonna and child it's uh there's a so me being a you know not not a history buff but just a fan of history uh Teddy Roosevelt uh, was talking about uh, his uh, Edith Caro, I want to say. Uh, history buffs out there will correct me. Uh, ultimately, he, his second wife. It was it was the love of his life. Um, he ended up marrying someone else uh, because she fell in love with someone else, and they. Uh, his first wife died in childbirth and uh, later remarried. Um, But he wrote to his sister saying that uh, like she's so perfect. She's so beautiful. Um, I forget the word that he used. Like, uh, Like it feels like perversive to touch her like forbidden to touch her because she's so perfect um you know and, and that's kind of the way uh you know seeing Lauren with with emmy and and seeing that that love she has for her uh and and seeing how that manifests and seeing how good she is with her and uh it's like I'm a, I'm a prick compared to you, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I have to struggle with, uh, the unconditional part of, of love, uh, you know, to be honest and, uh, but the way it, it just comes, uh, naturally for her, it's like, thank God you're in my life. Thank God you're the mother of of my child, because I would be horribly screwing this up right now. And that's why the whole nature of relationships is it, it's a team effort. It's partnership. You guys balance each other out. That's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's how it works. You opposites attract, and she's the sweetest thing on earth. You referred to her on your wedding day as my sweetness. And I feel like you probably call her that all the time. Yeah. And 
you know, because of, uh, as you told me back in when you guys got married and, you know, talking to her, the sweetness of um, the Eucharist and the divine, like something that you shouldn't be able to attain, but yet you have it uh, here on earth. She right. is where your heaven and earth collide. Yeah. You know, my life, my sweetness, yes. and my hope. Yeah. yeah, that is that is her. The memorari prayer. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating how uh, how the women in our lives are able to to show us the tenderness uh, that they have while we maintain our prickish uh, natures. But, um, you know, that's, I feel like the, the balance that everyone has to bring to the table, you know, what one partner fails at or is lacking, the other brings um, and balances out. Right. So then yeah. moving from that element of, hey, God, if this is the one for me, like, you know, point me in the right direction. He pointed you in the right direction. I feel like he kicked you swiftly and firmly in the ass and said, that's the one. Get her. Yeah. Put her Lock her down. Lock her down. Lock it down. <laughs> Let's go. There's a chapel right here. We can do it right now if you want. Like, you know, there's plenty of priests around. We can figure something out. You're in a seminary. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> the perpetual friend zone. And you managed <laughs> to get a wife. Um, <laughs> but no, the uh, it was awesome watching that uh, relation, your relationship grow uh, from that point. And, you know, just having an, an awesome partner. You, you lucked out. I yeah. feel like guys like us aren't as lucky all the time. It's because we're not good looking. No, we have to rely on <laughs> our witty banter and drinking skills. Yes. <laughs> and thank God we, uh, we landed women that appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Although dad jokes right now, I feel like I'm killing it with dad jokes. And she's like, no, stop. Just stop. I'm like, but they're funny. <laughs> yeah, when when Emmy gets older, she's gonna think I'm hilarious. No. Probably not. No. <laughs> One can dream. This is true. So what was it like when you found out you're gonna be a dad? A and B, what was it like for you when you found out that you're going to be a girl dad? Oh, goodness. Um, scary and scarier. I think, uh, well, you know, Lauren and I always knew we wanted, we wanted kids, um, that we wanted to leave something behind. We wanted to our family to be more than ourselves. Um, when we 
when we found out we were pregnant because uh, you know everyone's uh, conception story is different for us um, you know right when uh, we kind of decided and Lauren was like all right well you know I'll, I'll just stop taking precautions and whatnot and um, no one ever told us that uh, and you know a little free advice for anyone out there <laughs> or uh, anyone not looking to uh, to get pregnant uh, when women get off of their birth control they're fertile myrtles <laughs> so uh, you know, it kind of happened uh, quicker for us than we really, because we were like, certainly, you know, it, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to try. Um, you know, it's it's not gonna happen. So, you know, eh, we'll start trying. You know, we we got all the things. We we started reading about natural family planning, and uh, we're like, okay, like we kind of dialed it in. Um, you know, we uh, were tracking everything like, okay, you know, you're going to be, uh, you know, we, Lauren and I are big planners, you know, so I mean, we had, we had a calendar, we had apps, you know, okay, you're going to be fertile on, uh, on this day. So we, we, we try this night and we'll see. And, <laughs> uh, you know, God said, all right, well, I guess you have the app, so let's just do it. And, uh, so it, uh, right when, uh, we thought for sure she wasn't pregnant, but we're like, ah, oh, you're a little late. Let's just try a test. Uh, it's probably too early anyway, but just go for it. And she didn't want to look at it. She was too nervous and she didn't feel like she was pregnant. But when I looked at it, you know, it's like one of those things immediately started crying <laughs> and um <laughs> I, I was like well i guess we got to clean out that other bedroom <laughs> uh i guess we got to open up a, another savings account and start saving for that uh that child now uh so it the emotions and all were just a roller coaster you know knowing that your life is not going to be the same ever again. Uh, knowing that kind of, you know, kind of knowing that like your youth is over. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not, you know, kind of, but you know, it, it basically is. No, you're still young at heart. However, you however, know. you don't have the energy <laughs> to do it anymore. Welcome to elder millennialhood. God, is there a word for it now? I, I, I don't know. But you like, just coined that phrase? When, no, I definitely did not coin that phrase. The first time I ever heard it was uh, a comedian call, uh, named Eliza Schlesinger um, on a Netflix special. And I think it's called Elder Millennials. Um, but I digress. When, I, when we got home from the hospital with Ava, I was like, okay we're the adults now. Like we are no longer supervised. There are no mm -hmm. longer nurses telling us what to do or doctors. 
this is it. We're in charge. It's our responsibility to keep this baby yeah. alive. Exactly. All that all that hits home. And yeah, uh, realizing that it was going to be a girl. I was I don't know. I was I was almost relieved a little bit because you know yeah. Uh, I'm picturing what a what a girl would be like and uh you know, like a, just a sweet, cute little girl. Um, Lauren and I, honestly, uh, we were kind of like secretly holding out for a boy. Um, but, you know, a, a sweet little girl that just thinks everything's cute and wants to play with it, not destroy it <laughs> uh, at this age. That's, that's fun too. And, uh, and it's, it's just, it's different. Uh, even, even my dad said, you know, being a, a girl dad, uh, you get so much, uh, so much, not more joy, but a, a different sense of, of joy and uh, reward from it than just being a boy dad. Um, because it's, it's raising something different. Um, but I'll be damned if I didn't see myself in her, you know, just so much. The, uh, the lack of patience, uh, the ability to stare at the TV while trying to hold a conversation you know, with, with someone else and uh, trying to peel her away from the TV and uh, all the negative things about myself. It's uh, that, that part of being a parent is, is not that fun. Seeing all of your negative attributes come out in a three-year-old, uh, that's not terribly enjoyable uh, because then you do see your faults and it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> hey, Jay, I just wanted to say I'm sorry <laughs> for everything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, like I'm already thinking like we're, we're going we're potty training Emmy right now and tonight she had an accident on uh on the carpet in our room you know and I was thinking to myself you bitch one one day when you get a new house I'm just gonna pull down my pants and piss on your carpet you know? <laughs> that's, that's aggressive <laughs> And that's the type of parent that Emmy has. <laughs> that's that's the inner me that I'm struggling with. <laughs> I think my brother is uh, my brother Tim is similar in that regard because he he can't wait for her uh, for his daughter to have a house because he's just gonna I'm gonna go in I'm gonna leave fingerprints everywhere I'm gonna go onto the the molding and rub dirt in it and uh, you know, turn on all the lights and. Mm-hmm. okay yeah it's also you know very much against the whole dads against daughters dating type of mentality you know his daughter's five uh about five and a half now almost so not that a five-year-old's gonna be dating but right sure he's he's dreading that uh from happening meanwhile his three-year-old son is already holding hands with girls in the play uh daycare playground 
you know, he's Mr. Steal Your Girl. So he's no, got goodness. a girl and a boy. Uh, I have another brother who's got two girls and, you know, now I have a girl and, you know, it's the happiest I've ever been in my life. Um, you know, I, things that I did not know that I was going to need to know, um, you know, like the first time I had to change a diaper, like I don't have a vagina yeah. for equipment. Like, how do you clean <laughs> that? I don't know. Front to back, Adam, front to back. <laughs> I had asked my wife, asked the nurse, I'm like, is this normal? Like what, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, uh. I didn't realize that that was going to be uh, my relationship with my daughter for the first, uh, you know, the better part of three years. Yep, I'm cleaning poo out of your vagina right now. That's that's it. Just that's love. Hold on to that for when you're she's in her twenties or her teenage years, and I'm like, you know what I used to do for you? Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, when Check she walks in with her store. first date. <laughs> Let me tell you about this shit Emmy took one time. I mean, it was all up her back. <laughs> and you know what sucks for kids these days is that everybody's parent somehow, somewhere has been on a podcast talking about their daughters and they can go back and listen to this. Yes. Oh God, this is gonna this is gonna live forever. <laughs> That's how the yeah. interwebs work. Yep. Yep, and uh, Emerson just turned three on Tuesday, so I think we're we're turning a corner now with her as well, which is really fun to see. She's really, um, she's really developing her personality, um, and she's getting funnier. And she's talking more, and you can hold a conversation with her. Um, you know, her vocabulary is tremendous. It doesn't really hurt that Lauren is a speech therapist. Um, yeah, she's constantly working with her. But um, she has discovered the word why. And that is a challenge and a half. Uh, and frustrating to say the least because every little thing you say why why have you ever met um father john serio i think so so he was like my uh teaching teacher and he always uh he taught me to always begin with the end in mind essentially always have the answer to the question why so when you're teaching students or you're having a conversation with somebody or you're telling somebody to do something, if you're a manager or boss or what have you, and they ask why, have a reason, give the reason to the why, because it'll make life not only easier, but it'll help the individual understand why you're asking them to do something. And sometimes it's because I said so, and other times it's so you don't get hurt. Or so you can learn this lesson, um, you know? Yeah. I'll begin with the end in mind. Answer the question, why? Yeah, I'm going uh, to have to take a clip of that. And then when 
when Ava is three years old and asking why, we're going to replay that and we're going to ask you that question. It's always easy for the person who doesn't have to answer the question why to teach about the question why because they're not dealing with the why right now. Exactly. But yes, in three years time. Yeah. Yeah. The number of times that I say in my mind, because I fucking said so. (laughs) Because that's what your father said to you. And that's what his father said to him and so on and so forth. Exactly. Exactly. When we first found out that uh, Betty was pregnant, you know, we, we also were were hoping for a boy because I'm one of four boys. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's what I know. And Betty said, well, yeah, I only had brothers too. So that's all she knew. So we were like, boy. And then I had a dream one day. I just, uh, I was taking a nap with my head laying on my wife's lap. And the dream that I had was she told me that we were having a girl. And I didn't freak out. I didn't say anything. I just sort of rolled over and went back to sleep. And I woke up and I didn't say anything. And I went the whole weekend without saying anything. And I said to her, like a couple days later, I said, did I have a negative reaction to you telling me that we were having a daughter? Like, do you know what the sex of the baby is? Because it's something both of us, we... (laughs) we wanted to find out together. We didn't want to find out separately, like at a doctor's appointment or something. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't know the sex of the baby. I was like, okay. Then I relayed the dream that I had to her and sure enough, we're having a girl. So I was like, oh shit. Maybe I should start listening to my dreams a little bit more if I can remember them. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it was something that, you know, stucks with me. I have to, I have to listen to my dreams a little bit more. And the fact that, you know, we have a baby girl is uh, a special blessing because I feel like I'm going to rock life as a girl dad. Like I'm into the bows and the hair, even though she doesn't have much of it right now. We think she's going to be a little redhead. So we can see That's a little, awesome. little glint of red hair uh, coming in off the the morning sunlight the other day, you know, but <laughs> still way too early to tell. We're just yeah. so damn excited. Yeah. And then, it's... Uh, it's just surreal feeling going from being day drunk on Bourbon Street on a church retreat slash mission trip slash rebuilding after a storm to where we are now it's kind of complete 180 from from what we were doing you know right the directions both of us were headed yeah but i mean we can still do those things and be responsible adults and just have to wait till our kids can be our designated drivers exactly exactly and how's life for you guys up on the North Shore? Oh, it's great. It's great. Um, I mean, it's <sighs> the North Shore is great. It's completely different than the West Bank. You know, it's uh, 
it's it's more rural uh it's more of a small town feel uh it's it's definitely safer you know uh you don't have to worry about shootings on a daily basis and uh the, the police actually do their job over here um at the same time you know you uh you kind of get the sense that some things are a little uh whitewashed for lack of a better word or uh you know there's uh being on the west bank and having that grit that grime uh you know is, is sometimes a good thing uh but the atmosphere in which to raise a child the north shore is definitely where it's at and uh you know the school systems are, are better uh the infrastructure is better the local government is better uh the hospitals uh are also better and that's another reason uh why it's uh such a great thing that i met lauren uh because if lauren and i wouldn't have moved up to the north shore uh when i had my heart attack i wouldn't have gone to this hospital yeah, and they wouldn't have done a, a great job with that i completely yeah. forgot about that yeah which is yet another reason why i should have gotten out of that line of work when i did uh because if i would have had a heart attack at uh at how old was i 32 uh and i was still in that profession it would have fucking killed me <laughs> right yeah uh for Lauren and but, Emmy's sake, I'm glad you're out of that profession. Right. Well, if I was in that profession, there would be no Lauren or Emmy. Also true. Yeah. And uh, once this whole pandemic thing uh, gets over, we're going to have to plan a trip where either you guys can come up here or we can come down there and hang out. And just Betty does not do bridges uh, that well. She's got a little phobia for them, so we're gonna have to go the long way around uh, the lake. And no, uh, oh, what's that, that twenty-three mile long thing over the lake probably isn't gonna cut it for her. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, well, it's like it's like our moat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, riffraff, stay down there. Exactly. Now, um, did they have a regular uh, Mardi Gras last year for you guys, or was it still modified or non-existent? No, they had no Mardi Gras last year. No Mardi Gras at all. Uh, uh, the mayor of uh, New Orleans, uh, Latoya the Destroyer, as they call her, uh, totally canceled Mardi Gras and anything having to do with Mardi Gras. I mean, the city of New Orleans itself was, you know, pretty much shut down. Uh, as as was as were most cities, obviously. Um, but yeah, there was no Mardi Gras. So this coming Mardi Gras, she has opened it up again. So uh, this one should be doubly awesome. And of course, there you go. Would love to go, but 
there's no way in hell I'm bringing my three-year-old to a, a Mardi Gras parade standing out on, on St. Charles, probably freezing our butts off then. Waiting for a chance to party. Exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, most of the people I know who were part of the young adult office are either married and have multiple children or have just completely moved out of the New Orleans area entirely. And probably for the best. Right. Yeah, where we are, um, there's actually a small parade that runs just like a half a mile away. Easily drive my truck to stand in the back of it, drive straight back to the house after, all done, life is good. Yeah, that's the way to go, small town life. Exactly, yeah. Well, I know you've got to go to work tomorrow, sir, but I don't want to keep you up too long unless you want to keep going. I could talk to you. Well, my, right. I think we just have to do this again soon. Yeah, not for a podcast. We can just talk in general. Yeah. I'm sure your your listeners would love to hear me. (laughs) You do have a very soothing voice. Do I? I don't know. I I feel like I might just be like a Xanax uh, on a podcast. You got a face for radio. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) All right, man. I love you. All right. Love you, too.